now. This MMA, what we talking about? Yeah, you tuned into the pod now. Gonna be hard for you to stop now. Yeah, we caged in. Caged in. Welcome back to another episode of Caged In. I'm your host, Chris Carlo. Got a very special guest on the line with me today. It's Dylan Nadler from Mindlock Mental Training. How are we doing today, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You know, this is a different kind of interview than what I'm used to. You know, normally I'm interviewing fighters and talking to them as they're getting ready to, you know, go in the cage and throw down. So um, this is like a, a different avenue for me. So I'm glad to be doing it. I'm excited. I think it's important. So, uh, you know, thanks for coming on the show and doing this, man. It's, it's pretty awesome. Of course. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh, to get into it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know that you have a background in, you know, combat sport as well. You know, you do have a, a pretty deep background in Taekwondo and you were very accomplished in what you did. So before we know we dive into Mindlock and the company that you started, I do want to dive into your, you know, Taekwondo background a little bit, man. So just tell me your story with that, um, you know, go through your accolades and, you know, your experiences and your journeys through the through the sport of Taekwondo. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, my parents, my parents put me in Taekwondo when I was five um, and, and like any sort of traditional martial art like Taekwondo, karate and, and stuff like that. I wasn't at a very kind of competitive gym. So I spent a lot of, you know, probably my first seven years just, you know, getting the belts and, and progressing and learning the, the patterns and, and stuff like that. But for me, like I, I always wanted to compete and that was always my passion. Like the very first time we got to spar I knew like, okay, I love this thing. And, and it was frustrating because we didn't get a chance to at that place. It, it just wasn't a, a competitive gym. So I eventually, you know, switched over to a, uh, to a more competitive club in, in Toronto called Authentic Taekwondo. And from there is really when I started to understand like the levels to what it means to, to compete and, and to fight at a high level. And I had a lot, I had a lot of work to do, honestly. You know, I I had a black belt at the time, but I right. my my skill set was nowhere near the level that that I needed to be, and and I was surrounded by a lot of teammates that were my age, and you know, which was helpful in in a sense, but also the direct comparison was there too, of like, man, I'm just I'm just not on this level. So, it, it took me, you know, that that whole year to really kind of figure myself out, develop the right techniques and and the right skills, and learn how to fight the right way, not just to be aggressive and just kind of throw down. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of success kind of by the end of that year, you know, winning my first Ontario provincial championships and, and then nationals later on that, that January. Nice. Um, and then from there, it just kind of kept going. I mean, we, we competed very often, very internationally, um, you know, you name it, all these different countries from Taipei, Korea, Belgium, Spain, Netherlands, Mexico, just all over the world representing Canada at the highest level. Um, I was named captain of, of the Canadian national team, which was really nice. cool. Um, oh, yeah. So I had a chance to, to represent, you know, obviously, you know, my country at, at the highest level as the captain, which is cool and, and take mm -hmm. on that leadership role. Um, I, I was able to win the U.S. Open in back-to-back -back years as one nice. of the first Canadians to do that. So, you know, the U.S. Open is one of the most prestigious you know largest international events in, in in the sport and to win it to win it once is a big deal uh, right. let alone kind of back to back so that was a, a really cool moment for me as well so you know within that you know really kind of just starting to find myself in the sport you know find finally get to a place where my skill set matched my kind of passion and, and my drive for it um and ultimately you know reaching a, a national rank of, of number one and a world rank in, in the top 40 all before I was like 18 or 19. So it was, it was a cool ride and it was something that was really special to me. And, and a lot of who I am is, is because of the lessons I learned through sport. 
for sure, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on, you know, the success you found in Taekwondo. I mean, it's awesome. Um, very accomplished career you had. Um, and that brings us to mind lock, man, kind of transitioning from your your background as an athlete. How did you get into creating this brand and this company, Mindlock, and just talk about um, what it is and to down to its core and the goals that you have for the company, man? Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, even going back to, to the story I just told about, you know, competing myself, I, I, I was forced to recognize right away how mental this game is, mm-hmm. um, you know, combat sports, non-combat sports, com- competing in general, but especially combat sports, right? You know, there's so many elements to it, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to a high level, everybody's pretty explosive. Everybody's pretty flexible. Everybody knows the same kicks and punches and, and comes from a, a good club. So what separates the winner from the loser you know, sometimes it's those things, but when all of those kind of physical skills are evenly matched, it's it's the mental side. It's that kind of mindset variable that really makes a big impact. And, and I learned that a lot of times, like, you know, I learned my lesson in, you know, the tough way and, and I was forced to kind of build up those skills. And like I said, being in a place where I had to catch up very quickly, I, you know, I knew if I just did the same things everybody else was doing around me, you know, I would I would improve, but I wouldn't surpass where everybody else was if I was doing the same thing. So I had to figure out what else can I do, right? If everybody right. else is doing one thing, how do I do that plus one kind of in mm-hmm. a way? And for me, it was really leaning into the mental stuff, whether it was, you know, game planning and watching game tape and breaking down opponents, whether it was going through different visualizing activities and exercises and trying to kind of envision the environment around me, um, stuff like that too, and, and taking that into fights and events and doing well with it so i always had this understanding of how crucial the mental component was and and for me it always really baffled me how little training and access there was to something like this on a a global scale you know competing around the world and looking at other national teams and, and national team programs and seeing that everybody has nutritionists everybody has physiotherapists Mm-hmm. But there's nothing on the mental side, right? So right. I always knew, like, okay, this is something that I wanted to do. And as soon as I was done competing, it was a pretty instantaneous switch of, all right, you know, I know it worked for me. I bet it can work for other people too. Let's just see how much. And that was when that kind of adjustment was made. And the moment I stopped competing, it was, all right, let's see what what this can be done for for everybody else. Right. And is this something that you know you had um, education behind? Like you went to school for. Um, this stuff as well, and kind of that's how you kind of came up with this idea to start Mindlock. So I uh, I graduated from from the University of Ottawa with a with an honors degree in psychology. So I have that background, but not when I started. You know, when I right. when I started, I really just I used a lot of intuition. You know, I really leaned into my own athletic experience. I really tried to do my own kind of studying and and tried to kind of surpass just like the pace that you you learn in school. Because for me, it was kind of frustrating how slow that process was, and and yeah, I've never sure. really been a, a fan of school. So I've, I always tried to kind of like be ahead of the curve, do as much as I could. And and the way that I thought about it was, listen, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least I'll know, right? I didn't want to be in this limbo of like, hmm, I feel like it works. I don't know if I should try it. How do I know when I've put together the right program? I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try this out and I'll, I'll let the market tell me if it works or if it doesn't work. If people like working with me and they work with me month to month and they're getting results from it, great. If people 
work with me and they kind of stop after a little bit or they're not getting the results or they're not that satisfied, well, then I know that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Let's kind of put that on the shelf and, and revisit it. So I kind of went straight into execution and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take action right now and learn as I go. And, and I think that's the reason why we were able to kind of grow so quickly. And I was able to learn as, as quick as I did just through action, really. For sure. And, you know, your brand, MindLock, um, if an athlete's listening to this right now and they wanted to, you know, get involved um, and work with you, kind of what's the avenue that they could go down to, you know, contact you and what kind of services do you offer to athletes that are looking to get into the mental training space? So, you know, Instagram's a great place to go just because that's where a lot of the, the content is housed and also links to other stuff. So podcasts, YouTube channel, stuff like that. Um, you know, a, a DM is usually the, the best way. I'm always there. I'm always on my phone anyway. So even sure. if it's just out of curiosity, even if it's not about wanting to, to work together, it's just a question or a mm -hmm. comment or whatever, you know, send that message. I love kind of going back and forth and, and interacting with people. But in terms sure. of how it works, you know, at, at MindLock, you know, obviously we work with high performance athletes to develop the mental game, but but what that really looks like is it looks like creating programs that enhance and develop different areas of those mental skills, right? So mental mm -hmm. skills like goal setting and preparation and visualizing, imagery, self-talk, optimism, um, discipline, motivation, right? All the, all the different kind of pillars, if you will, of what it means to be kind of quote unquote mentally tough strengthening that one step at a time the exact same way that we would strengthen physical skills right so if you want to be right. a fighter you have to have good flexibility good endurance you know you have to be technical you have to be able to you know kind of have good mobility and, and move around a lot good defense so the same way that you build up kind of piece by piece on the physical side that's what we do on the mental side so we take these kind of bigger broader more abstract kind of concepts and turn them into tools that can be used to make an instant impact right away. So, you know, another thing with this is that you don't need to wait six months or a year to start to feel something. I think that that's um, just, I just don't think that's helpful for anybody. You know, I don't think anyone sure. should have to kind of trust the process that long. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit less tangible in terms of, you know, if I can lift 50 pounds today and, you know, 75 pounds two weeks from now, I know I'm getting stronger. It's a right. little bit tougher on the mental side, but that being said, these are formatted in a way where there's instantly things you can take out of it, skills you're able to acquire right away, where oftentimes, as soon as we're done our first session and an athlete goes into training, you know, that night or the next day, they're noticing improvements. And, you know, for me, that's always what I look for is how quickly can we make the impact you're looking for? Because not everybody has six weeks for a camp. Sometimes you have a short notice thing and you have 10 days to figure it out it's enough if we do it the right way too. you know, of course, over time, you know, we're able to kind of strengthen that and, and build on it more, but it doesn't have to be a, a very kind of long process too. So that's also how we work together. So we'll, uh, we'll do sessions online through video call. So like mm -hmm. Skype or FaceTime or whatever they have right. lasts about 45 to 60 minutes, depending on what we're doing, but we'll work through those different kind of exercises and, and tool developments and They'll get an email afterwards with a complete breakdown of what we went through, links to yeah. everything, you know, activities to kind of come over, screenshot and share and, and save so that they have access to it. And just kind of keeping up with that on, on a recurring basis, as well as kind of having access to me at all times, too. So, um, you know, we might not have a, a session scheduled for a week from now, but if something comes up like tonight in training, you know, sending a text or an email or a DM and, and keeping that that conversation going is important as well. So that that's kind of the the breakdown of, of how it works kind of structurally yeah. and what we look to do when it comes to bringing an athlete on board.
For sure, man. This is kind of like a, a new wave of training that I think is kind of catching fire. And it's it's very important, you know, as you just outlined. Um, a lot of those things are very important when it comes to, you know, preparation at, for an athlete and everything like that. So I ended up, you know, I'm not an athlete myself anymore, you know, maybe in a past life. But um, now I'm just a podcast host who, ha- who has a microphone. So I reached out to a, a lot of my friends who are active athletes. You know, I talked to a lot of, fi- a lot of fighters on this show. Um, a lot of them have become good friends of mine. So to prep for this and to ask you questions that I think are actually important and, you know, matter to like the athletes that might be listening, I figured let me reach out to them and ask them, you know, what they would want to ask you just so that I know that the things that I'm asking are stuff that actually matters, you know? So, um, I do have some questions from them. Um, hopefully this helps, you know, balance, balance the show and, you know, make this thing a little bit more interesting and, and, um, and purposeful. So, you know, let's just get right into it, man. For someone, for someone who is, you know, getting into the mental aspect, the mental training aspect, or somebody wants to add this to their, you know, fight camp or their, their regimen. Um, what would you recommend is the first step for someone to, you know, start adding this to their game? Do you mean this in terms of like getting something set up or in terms of like a tool that they can start with? Yeah. Like, a, I think as far as like a tool that they can start with, like, would you put the, you know, like visualization, you know, uh, you know, what kind yeah. of stuff would you add to their game if you could you know just to like start off as like a starter pack yeah no good question so typically the the best way to get started is by really clearly outlining kind of what their goals are um and and most of the time when when people hear goals they think long-term stuff right i want to be a champ i want to be in the ufc whatever right that that's great um but at the same time it, that's not that's not special in any way, and everybody and anybody can say what their goals are. But without that accountability and that kind of process-based thinking, um, you know, you're just kind of saying it and moving on. And that's why a lot of people have this tendency to kind of like set and forget, where they just say their goals and they move on. And they say, well, goal setting makes sense, but it's not for me. So you know, one of the things we emphasize right away is breaking that down into much smaller steps, even down to planning for your next event and your next training session even. So, you know, as an example, if you're a fighter that's getting started and I say, okay, you know, when's your next fight? And they say six weeks. My question is, well, what's your goal, you know, for that fight? And, and it's kind of a funny question because you're like, well, what do you mean? What's my, like, I want to win, obviously, right? right? My, my yeah. goal is to win. That's why I'm going out there. And what I, what I always try to emphasize too is like, well, listen, winning isn't actually a goal. It's an outcome right winning is just the result of what happens when you do the right things right so when you want to set a goal for this next fight what you really should be thinking about is what are those right things what process do i need to follow so for example it might be things like keeping your hands up good defense moving well you know working your jab you know being having sharp counters being coachable being confident so the ingredients of a good performance right because if you have the ingredients of a good performance and you put that together well, odds are you're probably going to get closer to that result. So that's usually something that we work on right away is, okay, what are your goals, not just in a broad sense in the macro, but specifically in terms of this next event that's coming up for your training sessions that are coming up for the day to day? What can we do right away to get you closer to that result that you want without only focusing on the outcome? And that's kind of something that we can do right from jump. For sure. If you had to outline, you know, just like a mental training program for someone to to take into them for fight camp kind of what would just like the outlines be if like the points that you want to hit that you would um, recommend for somebody during their their fight camp leading up to a fight mm-hmm. so it, you know depending on, on how much time they have to, to prepare i think the big components of kind of a mental training 
program or something to follow or the structure of that, you know, like I said, it starts with that goal setting model, you know, that I just talked about. Uh, And and from there, you add on different components. So, you know, number one might be self-talk, right? So self-talk is how we speak to ourselves, the words that we use, and how we more importantly reframe things. So what you'll notice in a camp is there's a lot of ups and downs, a a lot of highs and lows, days that feel great and days that feel not so great right? right so how do you handle those days that don't feel so great so you know for example you might be in a in a situation where um you're cutting weight and it's the end of you know that kind of weight cut ish and, and you have no energy and you feel like a zombie and you're like man i just feel so shitty today i'm, I'm right. like you know how, how am i going to do well at this fight if i just can't even lift my legs today and it's reframing that to you know what my my capacity is much smaller than it has been so all i have to do now is just do the best that i can with what i've got you know looking at things like teammates that push you really hard and and sometimes be like man i really don't want to go with that guy he always beats me up reframing that to i'm so grateful to be at a gym where i have teammates that can really push me and teammates Mm -hmm. that can make me feel nervous because feeling nervous in training is is a blessing right it's very tough at a high level you know, anyone can push you and anyone can challenge you, but to feel nervous is, is, is a special thing. And even though it's not a fun feeling, it's a valuable one because if you can be comfortable experiencing those nerves and training and overcoming them, it's great preparation for the event as well, right? So reframing right. how we think about things is important. Um, and, and like I kind of touched on before, that is really managing our expectations. So, you know, your expectations of yourself in week one of camp is going to be very different than your expectations in week four and week six and, and stuff like that. So constantly refreshing, you know, what is the criteria for success this week, right? The sure. same way that when you're in high school or university and you have to write a paper and there's like a rubric to follow, that's what you know you're getting marked on, right? I'm, I'm following this rubric. I'm following this criteria. I know that these are the bullet points I have to, to, to check off. It's the same thing with training. You know, what is my criteria for success this week? What is the outline that I want to follow? So, you know, for an athlete that's, you know, kind of engaged in a, in a mental training program, starts with goals. It leads into managing expectations. We have things like visualizing and self-talk to help guide it along the way. And we end up kind of taping, tapering down near the end and, and really trying to peak for, for what that event is. So there's a ton that can get involved in this. It also depends on what the athlete likes and what they want to emphasize. But there's a there's a ton of, of really cool things that we can do to kind of help get you to a place where you're peaking right at the right time. For sure, man, for sure. Um, we mentioned at the top of the show that this kind of seems like a industry that's kind of on fire right now where mental health training has become kind of like the new aspect that people are adding to their training. Do you feel like this is still something that goes overlooked for athletes? I totally do. You know, I, I think to your point, I think we're at, I think we're at a place now where athletes are understanding that the mental game is important, whereas maybe Back in the day, they didn't, right? Back in the day, it was more like, you know, what is that and why does it matter? Now, I think we're at a place where the average athlete understands, you know, the importance of that. But where we're not at is is knowing what to do about that, right? So you might be listening to this going, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, everything you're saying makes sense. And I also understand the mental game and that the mental game is important and that fighting is very mental. But then there's still that next question of, where do I go? What do I do? How do I know if this person's legit or if it's helpful? So I think that's the next area that we're in and that next challenge of, okay, people are realizing that it's important, but not too sure what those next steps are. And I think that that's 
kind of what I'm trying to do too is is really kind of bring this stuff to light, educate people on what this is, why it's helpful, how we can work, and really start to overcome that next hurdle, which is making it accessible to you know anybody and everybody. For sure, man. Uh, taking that and, and bringing it into competition as well is obviously very important. So, how do people you know prepare for uh, competition? and become more confident in themselves mentally. Um, Because I think confidence, people always say, is one of the biggest aspects of competition is making sure that you're going into competition with as much confidence as possible. So through the mental training aspect of of things, how is someone able to build that confidence before they go into competition? Confidence is huge, right? And and it's 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 a tough thing because people are like, well, how do I how do I build confidence? What's what's the secret? The secret is that, you know, preparation leads to confidence and and it's not that much of a secret right the more prepared you are for something the easier it is to feel confident right you know if you have a a pop quiz that you didn't study for it's hard to feel confident whereas if you studied all week you know you're probably going to feel better about it so it it all starts with preparation and, and making sure that you're training the right way you're disciplined you're doing the right things so you know really leaning in on that preparation and reminding yourself of that you know right before you go out there and compete whether it's a week before the night before right when you're standing in that ring really reminding yourself of how much you prepared for this because you always look across at the ring and go what's this guy gonna bring at me or what's this girl gonna do and it's like you know what they can do whatever they want, but they have to get through me, right? And I've done all the right things to lead up to this point. So I think a second part of that is, is if part one is, is, is leaning into preparation, part two is really bringing the focus and the attention back to you instead of really emphasizing the opponent, right? right. You watch a lot of game tape, you study the opponent, and you start to know, like, ah, oh, you know, they've got a really good kind of overhand right, right? I know I need to look for that. You know, they're, they're really good at closing the distance and, and clinching, right? We start to figure out what the opponent does, but the only problem with that is that when we're face-to-face, all we're seeing is their strengths. All we're seeing is, oh, man, I've watched all these videos. I, I know what they want to do to me. It's reminding yourself of, well, what do I bring to the table? Mm-hmm. What are what do I bring that they're forced to manage? You know, they could have the best game plan in the world, but they've got to they've got to go through me first, right? So I think the second part of being confident is really reminding yourself of what you bring to the table and leaning into that preparation to remind yourself of, listen, you know, this person might think that they're ready for me, but until that that fight starts and they have to really kind of face me and, and feel this presence. They have no idea what they're in for. And I think, you know, between the preparation standpoint and, and reminding yourself of who you are compared to just who the opponent is, I think that's a big deal as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, why do some athletes kind of crumble under pressure while some excel under pressure? Does that have to does that go back towards um, the mental training aspect of of uh, prep or preparing for, you know, said competition? A hundred percent. You know, I think, you know, you look at you look at the fight game, right, or, or all sports in general, and you, and you ask somebody how much of competing is mental versus physical, right? Mm-hmm. You'll get you'll get different answers. You know, you know, minimum is 50-50. Some people go all the way up and they say it's 90 or 99% mental. Let's mm-hmm. call it 50-50. You know, let, let's, sure. let's keep it conservative and say it's 50% mental, 50% physical. Well, let's look at what athletes are doing to prepare, right? Whether it's strength and conditioning or it's cardio or it's supplements or it's sleep or it's cryo or it's stretching, it's almost a hundred percent physical. So what happens when you go out there and compete and there's the pressure and there's the cameras and there's the opponent and there's the crowd? Mm -hmm. Well, only kind of, you know, 50% of the game is mental. 
and we didn't really do anything about that well what do you expect to happen of course you know the the pressure is going to overwhelm you and there's a tendency to underperform and to kind of crumble under you know those circumstances so the way right. i like to see it too is that you know there's a there's a huge discrepancy between the impact of the mental game on our performance compared to the emphasis that we put on developing those skills and, and those mental skills so why do some athletes crumble under the pressure a lot of the time it can be traced back to that discrepancy which is listen think about how much of this game is mental compared to how much kind of preparation went into that mental side if it doesn't add up you know you're you're in a vulnerable spot right and, and i think a lot of yeah. it can get traced back to that for sure um how does mental training differ from someone who's in an individual sport versus a team sport i'm sure you know some of it might be the same there might be some stuff that overlaps but then there might also be some aspects of mental training that are different when it comes to individual versus team sport you know and, and that's a that's a really good question too there's a lot of similarities and, and a lot of differences um in an individual sport um it's just you that goes in there, but at the same time, there's a lot of team components to it. So take fighting as an example. Fighting is an individual sport. You're the only one in that ring. No one's there to help you. However, you couldn't have gotten there without your team, right? right. And, and without your corner. So I think MMA and, and, and combat sports are an interesting one where there's a big team component to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in individual sports, it, the focus really has to be on motivating yourself allowing yourself to spark that sense of confidence, being mindful of the things that you're saying to yourself, because you don't have a team to kind of reassure you in that moment, right? If, right. if I'm on a, on a football team and I'm having a bad game, one of my teammates can come up to me, you know, between plays and say, hey, man, keep your head up. You're doing great, right? Right. In an individual sport, we don't really have that, right? So you really have to focus on that self-talk portion. What am I saying to myself? How am I communicating? Am I communicating to myself in a positive way, in a constructive way, or in a negative way, in a way that brings me down? So, you know, for individual sports, a lot of the time it's about what do those narratives look like in your own head and how do we make sure that you're always striving for something positive and, and productive? Whereas in a team sport, that's important too, but there's also other variables and, you know, things like team dynamic. So while the pros of, of team sports is that you have more support and you have more teammates that can come in and, and help you out, there's also a lot more variables that are totally out of your control. You could be playing the best game of your life. If you're a hockey right. player and you're lighting it up, but if you know none of your teammates are involved or pulling their weight and the intensity is down and you know it just doesn't seem like they want it or they're making silly mistakes, it's very easy for you to start feeling like, oh my God, you know, what else, what else can I do guys? Like I'm, I'm right. doing everything I can, like meet me halfway. So there's another right. frustration and stress around managing your team. So, mm -hmm. you know, the solution there also, I mean, there's, there's a ton to work on, but it, it really is focusing on just playing the best game that you can play and trying to take a leadership role on with your teammates and understanding how to motivate everybody else. Because even if you're on fire and everybody else isn't, it's not enough to usually get you to where you want to be. So it's it's a mix of sparking that fire in your teammates, but also not taking it personally when it's just not there. Because a lot of the time we associate with our team identity and lose track of our own. So if you're on a team and the team's losing, but you're playing great, mm -hmm. a lot of the time your identity becomes, oh, I'm a loser. And, you know, this team sucks and I suck. And it's like, well, right. you don't suck. You're doing great. Your individual performance is awesome and you're living up to these goals the results on paper might not be matching, but don't tie your identity into your team's record, 
right? right? So whether it's an individual sport or it's a team sport, there's different dynamics to it, which are very different. But then there are a lot of similarities, too, which is that it starts and ends with with you. Right. I think that's that's very interesting, man, the way you broke that down. Um, I think it, it is important for people um, to realize the similarities and the differences between team sport versus individual. So, um, you know, it was really well said the way you just broke that down. Um, do you think that there are athletes out there that just can't develop, you know, mental toughness, as they say? Or do you think that it is something that it will always be, you know, teachable or trainable? I think I think that everybody kind of has a spectrum of what they're capable of, right? Mm -hmm. I think there are some people that are born with incredible toughness and grits and motivation, and there's some people that aren't, right? Right. But I think it's I don't think it's just kind of this this dichotomy of either you have it or you don't have it. I think mm -hmm. there's a spectrum in which you can stretch it out. So maybe, you know, on a scale of one to ten, you're an eight and you can you can get that to a ten with some with some training. Maybe you're a four and it's just hard for you to bring up that intensity and that like competitiveness. But you can probably stretch that out to like a, a six or a seven. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody has their own kind of spectrum of where they're at and what their potentials are. And I think that everybody can benefit for that reason alone of take what you've got and do more with it. Whether you come into this and you're struggling with certain things and you know what you want to work on and we build that up. Or if you come into you know a mental training program with a ton of toughness, a ton of grit, and you don't have any kind of issues per se – you can stretch that out too because a lot of the time if you come into something like this with a great foundation and no kind of problems it means that you know we can get right into adding those tools right away stretching things out and if you already feel great without that type of training imagine how good you could feel and how much better you could perform with the right resources as well so i, sure. I wouldn't say it's a it's a you have it or you don't type of thing mm -hmm. but i also you know will say that some people just have a greater capacity to develop than others, but everybody is moldable. Everybody has their own ceiling. And I think for that reason alone, when we look at long-term goals, our goal should always be to become the best version of ourselves as opposed to something external, right? Because yeah. if I'm a basketball player, maybe my best isn't the NBA, but my best is playing on, you know, an, an international pro team or my best is playing on my local state team or my college team. So it's like, you know, it's important to set these big goals to motivate yourself. But the bottom line, and I think the way that we really achieve the most kind of satisfaction and fulfillment in sport mm -hmm. is just striving to be the best version of yourself and trusting that with that comes a lot of the accolades that you want along the way. For sure, man. I, I, I liken it to like the sense of like going to the gym, right? You go into the gym the first day and maybe you're able to bench press 100 pounds and you're never going to be that guy in the gym that goes in there and benches 300 pounds. But, you know, you can get your bench up to, you know, 200. So I, I understand what you're saying from that aspect, but putting the numbers to it kind of makes it seem a little bit more um, understandable as well. Um, let's talk about mental pressure a little bit, man. Like a lot of these athletes, they naturally put a lot of mental pressure on themselves. You know, a lot of them are striving to be the best in the world and that itself comes with a lot of pressure. So how would you say for these athletes that are, you know, have these lofty goals and every day they're going into gym, into the gym to be the best, um, how would you say that they can manage that pressure that they naturally put on themselves? And, that, and that's a real thing, right? You know, pressure and especially kind of pressure that comes from yourself can be a real killer. 
um, it, a, a little bit of is important because you need a little bit of that anxiety and that nervousness to keep you sharp and to keep you on your toes. Um, you know, the moment you get too complacent is when you start to kind of go downhill. So, you know, pressure, pressure in a way is good, but not to the point where it becomes so overwhelming that you're unable to just perform. And, and I think circling back to the goal setting thing that, that I talked about a couple of times, right. that's usually a really good place to start with people mm -hmm. like that, because when you look at pressure, a lot of the time it stems from results-based thinking, which is I need to be in the UFC or I need to win this fight. And the pressure comes from, but fuck, what if I don't, right? right? That's yeah. where that pressure comes from. So, you know, usually what, what's helpful is to start to stray away from those results and outcome-based goals and going back into the process stuff. So it's like, okay, of course you want to win this fight, but what are the things you need to do within that fight to be successful? Like, okay, well, I need right. to keep my hands up. I need to move well. I need to work my low kicks. I need to be able to, you know, close the distance really quickly. And it's like, okay, well, focus on that. Because as soon as that match starts, instead of stressing about, am I going to win or am I going to lose? Your first thought is, okay, let me keep my hands up. Let me establish this range. Let me move a little bit. And then there you go. There's the first 20 seconds. You didn't get knocked out. You didn't get caught with anything. You've got a good start. Let's work on the next part, which is start chipping away, chipping away, and eventually getting to what you want. So right. for a lot of athletes that put a lot of, a lot of pressure on themselves, so much so that it's detrimental thinking about are my goals outcome based right now or are they right. performance based am i am i just thinking about the end result or am i thinking about the steps i need to follow to get there and, and usually that's a good way to kind of take some weight off your shoulders relieve some of that stress and go back into something that's actionable because again winning isn't actionable right if you're about to right. walk into the ring and you're like hey coach what's my game plan and they're like your game plan is to win you're like what the hell yeah. right it's, <laughs> not, it's not helpful right. you know the game plan is something specific it, it's you know the, the keys to the fight that you want to be able to follow. So it's the same thing, right? You want to you want to focus on those process-based goals that are actionable. So as soon as that match starts, you know exactly what it is that you have to do to find success instead of just hoping that things come together so you can get that win because you made it all about the win. Definitely, man. Hey, Dylan, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Is there anything else that we want to touch on before we get you out of here? Is there anything else that anything important that we didn't gloss over? Anything that needs to be said that hasn't been? Not really, man. I think I think this was great. I mean, if, if anything, it's just kind of reinforcing that point of wherever it is that you're coming from. There is so much that we can do, and it's definitely worth trying out, right? Whether you're that person that knows what they struggle with, whether it's confidence issues or motivation issues or, or, or fear of getting hurt or whatever, or you're a person who feels very confident, very motivated, very kind of tough. There's something for everybody in this, and it's always about kind of stretching out what you're capable of and becoming kind of that best version of yourself. I think the big misconception is, well, if I have no issues – you know, is this even worth it? And it's like, of course it's worth it. You look at these fighters, it's like you could have incredible striking, but you still show up to your Muay Thai class. You still show right. up to, to your striking class. You can have a black belt in jiu-jitsu, you still show up and roll. So it's like mm -hmm. just because you're great at something doesn't mean that, you know, it's not worth working on. It means that's even more reason to separate yourself from the pack further. So I think, you know, whoever's listening to this, whether you're coming at it from one place or the other, there's always something in it for everybody. And it's definitely a cool thing to add to your arsenal earlier on now before your opponents start doing it and before everybody starts doing it. This is a great opportunity to take advantage of, of something new and, and upcoming and really get that edge before everybody else does. For sure, man. And the people that do want to take advantage of these things now um, and they want to maybe after hearing this, you know, they want to start working with you on some of these things. Um, how can they find you and, um, you know, 
contact you and all that stuff and kind of, you know, that avenue if they want to start doing some of that. Yeah. So, you know, check out, check out the Instagram. There's a lot on Instagram at mindlock with an underscore. Um, there's a, there's a ton there, different content. You know, you can take a look at who we work with some case studies there. Uh, there's links to YouTube channel and podcasts and stuff like that, which is great. And, and, and send me a DM. I'm, you know, like I said before, I'm always on my phone checking that stuff, you know, touching base with athletes. Send me a DM if you're curious or you have a question. Uh, and, and also what we have that's, that's pretty cool is it's like a fully online training course as well. If you go to courses.mindlock.com mindlock.ca um, but the link is in, in the bio too and, and it's a it's a fully you know all the curriculum is on there video lessons case studies from from pro athletes different activities and worksheets and assessments tons of stuff to be able to and go through on your own time you know it's great for right. if you're traveling or if you're on the go or if it's between training sessions so being able to bundle you know really our entire curriculum into an online you know kind of training program and, and master class that athletes can do has been really cool for a lot of people so that's another great you know resource to check out as well Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to you, man. I, like I said at the top of the show, I think what you're doing is extremely important to um, sports in general and mental health in general um, and mental preparation. So, you know, big props to you for um, developing this program, Mind Law Training, Mental Training. And, you know, um, hopefully if this episode can help reach some athletes that will, you know, be contacting you and get in, in touch with you as well. So um, thanks for taking the time to come on. And also I want to say thank you to um, Julian Connerton and Dan Walsh. They're two of the fighters that, you know, helped me develop some of these questions to ask you. There are a couple of fighters um, and the regional scene here. So um, thanks again, man. I appreciate you. And anything else you want to say before I get you out of here? No, that's great, man. Thanks a lot for having me. This was awesome. And, and to exactly thank you to the fighters who, you know, wanted to ask some questions. I think it was great to, to have some context from them. So this was great, man. I really appreciated it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, man. Take it easy. I'll be following along to what with what you're doing as well. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, the sky's the limit for you, man. Thanks a lot, brother. Down for the count and he can't even talk now. This MMA, what we talking about? Yeah, you tuned into the pod now. Gonna be hard for you to stop now. Yeah. Caged in, yeah, we caged in, yeah, we caged in.